0: Father, we come before your presence to study your word tonight, and we do so in the name of Jesus with thankful and grateful hearts to you for providing for us your words of life. Give us ears to hear it, hearts to receive it, minds that are open to it. And Father, change us by it from glory to glory, that we might conform to the very image of Jesus and become that which he has apprehended each and every one of us here tonight. Be glorified, Father, in all that is said and done in Jesus' name amen amen this is lesson three on prayer we're talking about prayer and in the book of ephesians chapter six and verse 18 this is part of our christian armor look at the verse it actually says that prayer is a part of our christian armor praying always with notice this, all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints all prayer one translation says all manner of prayer So it talks about the fact that there are different kinds of prayers and different ways to pray. And we'll discover, if you study it in depth, that there are certain rules that apply to certain prayers. Just like there are certain certain rules that apply to sporting events. And you're not going to play football with baseball rules and so on. And the same thing is true when it comes to prayer. Jesus talked about the law of faith. He talked about the prayer faith. And basically taught us that it's the prayer, the, the law of faith, that makes the prayer faith work. We talked about the prayer petition and how a person can ask God for something personally. This is something between yourself and God. Fi- First of all, decide what you want from God. Find the scriptures that promise you the answer. Thirdly, ask Him for what you want. Fourthly, believe that you receive it. Five, resist any temptation to, let's say, any thought, any. Thing that any suggestion the enemy would bring your way to think that you didn't receive from the Lord next praise him for the answer and continue meditating the word and Jesus said it will come to pass secondly we talked about united prayer and we talked about how in united prayer when people gather together the church gathered together to pray in one accord for Peter when he was in prison James was already martyred Peter was about to be martyred and the church gathered together in one place and they began to lift up their voice to God in prayer and what happened? Divine intervention took place. An angel was sent to the house, or sent to the jail rather, and delivered Peter supernaturally from prison. He was going to be killed, excommunicated, he was going to be killed, wiped out, executed, destroyed. But thank God for divine intervention. Angel brought him out. And then we talked about how, when Peter, Peter, and if you recall, Peter and uh, John prayed for the, sick, for the man that was lame at the gate at the temple called Beautiful. And he was healed. They were brought into question. They were, taking, they were persecuted and all that. And said don't you preach and teach anymore in this name. And of course now they're being beat, beat. They're being whipped and all that. And when they were let go. They went to their own company. And they reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And with one accord they lifted up their voice to God. And at the end of the prayer they prayed. Grant to thy servants with, with all boldness. We may preach thy word. By stretching forth your hand to heal. And for signs and wonders to be wrought by the name of the holy child Jesus. And when they prayed. There was great power that was in manifestation. The power of God fell in that place. It shook the place where they were assembled together. That's pretty good. Powerful. So united prayer gets results as well. So that's a different type of prayer. That's not believing you receive something for yourself. That's united prayer. Jehoshaphat did the same thing. Called for a fasting and prayer time. And when they did, they were delivered from three armies that were trying to destroy them. And so we see the importance of learning how to pray. Now, before we continue on discussing some other types of prayer that we can pray, let's look at a little bit of what Jesus talked about when he taught prayer. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, in this chapter, Jesus talked about three Christian disciplines that are very important for us to understand. Number one, he talked about giving. And he said, when you give, don't let anybody see what you're doing. Only let God see what you're doing. And your father who sees secretly will reward you openly secondly when you fast talked about fasting and he said when you fast don't be fast don't be fasting to be seen of men when you fast you do it secretly between yourself and god and he that sees you secretly will reward you how openly and then thirdly when you pray don't be like the hypocrites that pray with vain repetition like to be seen of men in the streets and all that look at me i'm praying don't be like that pray to your father in secret and your father who sees you in secret will reward you openly Now, he's not talking about corporate prayer like we're doing here tonight. He's talking about these individuals that like to walk on the streets and look at me, look at me, I'm praying and all that, or I'm giving and I'm doing all this, or look at me, I'm fasting and look how bad I look. He said, don't do that to be seen of men. Just get before me. Then he went on and taught what we call the Lord's Prayer. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, here's what it says. After this manner, therefore, pray you our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, in that prayer that Jesus prayed, I want to share with you seven words that begin with P that will help us better understand. What Jesus was teaching. He just said don't pray in vain repetition. So in other words you don't pray the prayer over and over. The same prayer over and over and over again. In vain repetition. This is a template for prayer. He was teaching the principles of prayer. And basically giving us a model for prayer. So we can better understand how to become more effective in our prayer lives. So uh, the, the seven words. I have them listed there for you. You can look them over there. First of all it's paternal. Paternal is the first one. And paternal is our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Now that sounds simple enough, doesn't it? Heavenly Father, our Father. But when you consider the fact that the Jews didn't understand or know God as being a loving, caring, responsible Heavenly Father. They knew him as someone who was giving laws who was unapproachable someone they viewed that was harsh and hard think about it when Moses went up on the mount, mount Sinai to get the commandments and the bible talks about how we haven't come to that mount, mount Sinai but we've come to mount Zion and it says there was quaking, there was thunder, there was lightning there was all all the smoke that was going on and they were absolutely afraid to be there and said Moses you go, we're afraid of this they didn't view God as a loving caring heavenly father they viewed him as being harsh, hard, demanding, giving commandments and laws and statutes and judgments and ordinances that they had to be obedient to. And they were afraid of him. But Jesus says, our father, my father. As a matter of fact, depending on where you look, I understand that Jesus said it over a hundred times. Jesus used the term, an endearing term, our father father my father but now he tells them to say our father but he called God his father on numerous occasions and the very fact that he said you can say our father what does that tell us we have a relationship with the creator of the universe that is personal and as intimate as a father and child relationship but I look at Matthew 23 and verse 9 and I want you to see here something that Jesus said with regard to a us calling father or people calling father and call no man your father upon the earth for one is your father which is in heaven to jesus the only one that really could have the honor of being called father was the heavenly father and he's talking about an ecclesiastical sense you understand not i not that i couldn't call my father father he wasn't talking about that in other words a title And he's talking to Pharisees, he's talking to Sadducees, he's talking about all these people, they're into titles. This is who I am, you know, your eminence, holy father, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Jesus said, no, only one, only one you call father. And why? Because number one, only he creates life. He's the giver of life. Only he can sustain life. Only He has redeemed life. Only He is qualified to be called Father. Because you see, He saved us. He loved us so much as a loving Father. He sent His Son to save us, to redeem us. Only He can redeem us from our fallen state. Only He can forgive sin and remit sin by the blood of His Son. So you see... We have this close, intimate, personal relationship with the Creator. And by the fact that He said we can call Him Father. That's intimacy. Oh, Father. Our hearts cry out, Abba, Father. Paul said in Romans. Father. A term of endearment. Father. It's just so wonderful to be able to call You Father. Because, see, at one time we were... Not sons and daughters of the most high God, but now we are. Aren't you glad that you are? Absolutely. Now, number two, the second word is person. The first one talks about the relationship that we have with the father. It's paternal. But next, we have the person. And here he talks about the name. Hallowed be thy name. To hallow a name means to venerate it. It means to hold this name in high esteem. Hallowed be thy name. And the name of someone stands for the person of an individual. For example, Saul was a destroyer. His name was changed to Paul, who is now a builder. He went from destroyer to builder after he got saved. Names, especially in Bible times, were very meaningful. Jesus, Savior, Christ, the anointed one. And so when he's saying, Father who art in heaven, hallow it, or I venerate and I honor your name. To do this correctly, we learn the name or the names of Jehovah. You see, Jehovah revealed himself as a covenant keeping God. And there are at least seven redemptive, covenant redemptive names of Jehovah that we can be familiar with that will help us better understand his person. We're talking about his person. So, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, Jehovah Sidkenu. Notice in your notes there I have the name Jehovah Sidkenu. Sidkenu, what does it mean? The next column, it means righteousness. And what's the benefit? He deals with our sin. He made Jesus to be sin for us who knew no sin to make us the righteousness of God in Christ. So think about it. Father, oh, Father, how I venerate your name, Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord, my righteousness. And I thank you for dealing with my sin. You remitted my sin. You washed me from my sin in the blood of your son. Second name, Jehovah Shalom. What's it mean? Peace. Perfect peace, a perfect word, perfect peace in spirit, soul, and body. In every way, we're in a state of perfect peace. What's the benefit? It deals with my emotional state. He keeps me in perfect peace when my mind is stayed on him because why? I trust in him. He revealed himself by these names to us so that we can identify with him, so we can understand him and know who he is. Then Jehovah's Shammah is the third name there. Shammah means the Lord is here. The Lord is here. Thank God it deals with his presence among us. You say, how important is that? You realize if you lived in Bible days and you were a Jewish person, the only way you can get to the place of God's presence was in the Holy of Holies. That was it. And you couldn't get there on your own. You had no right to be there. The high priest could enter in. But you and I have become the temple of the most high God. And now he is here. We can say boldly, Jehovah Shammah, I know you're here. You're right here. If you're driving down the highway, you're here, Lord. I know you're here. Oh, Father, I know you're ever present because you're Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is here. You're right here with me right now in this car as I'm driving down the highway. But even more than that, you're in me. You're in me. Isn't that good to know? Jehovah Shammah. And then there's Jehovah Nissi. Jehovah Nissi means he's my banner. And what does that speak of? What's the benefit for that? He's my protector. He's my protection. The Bible says he will fight for us. He will defend us. He will go before us. Thank God that no matter what we're facing in life, we have someone on our side who will fight for us to defend us. Fear not, he says, I am with thee. Be not dismayed, I am your God. Yea, I will help you. I will strengthen you. I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. Isaiah 41 10. So, Jehovah Nissi, his name, it reveals to me what he'll do for me. He's not off somewhere, not concerned about what I'm going through. He's very much aware of it. And when I say, Father, you are Jehovah, what, Nissi? I need some help here. And I know you said that you would defend me. He's one who defends his own. Jehovah Ruah, the Lord, my shepherd. I might not be in order, but Jehovah Ruah, the Lord, my shepherd, I shall not want. What is that? He's my shepherd. What's the benefit? He leads me. He's my shepherd. I don't want. He leads me besides the water restored. It's so on and so forth. He leads me to pass the righteous for his name's sake. In other words, I need Direction. And just as David would direct the sheep, just as Moses was the shepherd and directing uh, the sheep of his, you know, his father-in-law, etc. We have a shepherd. You are my shepherd. Oh, thank God you're not without a shepherd. You're not lost like sheep without a shepherd. If you need guidance, if you need direction, he's your guide. And he's right there for you. And then you've got Jehovah Jireh. The name, what does it mean? Provider. And what's the benefit of that? He's the supplier of all my need. And so you see, you might want to get before the Lord when you say, I have a need, Father in heaven. Oh, hallowed be your name, Jehovah, what? Jireh. You revealed yourself to me as my provider. And I want to thank you for providing for my every need according unto your riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And then you've got Jehovah Rapha, Rapha, the Lord Physician, what does it mean? He's my healer. What's the benefit? Healing and preservation. So if I'm in need of healing, I go to the Father and I say, Father, I venerate your name, Jehovah Rapha. You're the Lord, my healer. You revealed yourself to me. See, I've got legal ground upon which to stand because you revealed yourself to me as my healer. And you said if I would hearken to your voice and keep your statutes, your laws, and your judgments, and so on, that you would, what? Take sickness and disease away from the midst of me and fulfill the number of my days. So I want to thank you for being my healer today. So we've got the paternal part of it. And we thank God for that. We've got the person of our God. Now, before we go on to our priority, notice I wrote there for you to look at. Did you ever read a Jewish article? Whether on the internet or some kind of an article somewhere? Anybody? If you read one. Which you'll find out that they'll never use the, G, the O in God. G-D. A line underneath for, uh, for the O to be there. But they will not write it. And the reason why they won't write it. Because the name is too holy. Listen. The name of God is so holy. That if it were to be written. And for example, you were to print it off on your printer, and now you've got that article printed out. And maybe after a period of time, you, or you read it, and when you're satisfied, you would throw it away. Oh, my goodness. Highest level of disrespect and disregard for the holy name of God. They will not write that O, Because they would have to confiscate all the different articles and take that article and go bury it in the holy place you imagine that? They won't do it. And you ready for this? We throw the name of our Lord around like it's nothing. And you ever notice when people cuss and ever say, Oh, Buddha. Oh, Muhammad. No. They use the name of Jesus in vain. What a holy name. And you see, it's time for us to have our eyes open to understand our need to venerate and highly esteem and hold in high regard the name of our Lord. To really value it like we should and hold it in high esteem. This name above every name. What a name. The only name that saves mankind. The only name that gives us an audience with the Father on the throne. Praise God. The third thing is called priority. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. What's he saying? What's the priority? I'm here because I want your will done, Father. I know your name. I know your all these things that you've revealed yourself to be to me. Now, Father, I'm here to put one hand on you, and one hand on the situation. I want your will done in my nation. Whether it's your city, your state, your government, your leaders, your politicians, etc. You know, as as faithful believers, we should be doing that because we're told to do that. Father, one hand I have on you and one hand I have on our government. And I'm praying, Father, in Jesus' precious name, that you would move upon the hearts and minds of our politicians, etc. Like we did here tonight. But also I'm praying that your will be done in our church. With our leaders. I lift up the leadership of our church. I lift up the people of our church. And I pray. What are you praying for? That Your will, And what is your will? Well your will I know is this. First of all that all men be saved come to knowledge of the truth. That's one thing. But it's also your will that we be of one heart, one mind, one accord. In carrying out the purpose of your will. May there be unity among us. If one can chase a thousand, two can put ten thousand to flight. And a three-fold cord is not easily broken. Amen. Hallelujah. And so the people to come together in unity and harmonious love. So that we can be there for each other and care for each other. And, and, and help each other. But most importantly to promote your move, your work, your will, your ways among us. You want to save the lost, heal the sick, set the captives free. To do that, we need to create for you an environment in which you can operate and move by your spirit and manifest your glorious power. That's what our longing desire is, to bring people to a place where they recognize their need for God's saving grace. So I've got one hand on you. I've got one hand on the situation. Maybe it's Israel. As we should, as believers, we should be praying for Peace, the peace of Jerusalem within our walls. We're instructed to do that. Look at Psalm 122 and verse 6, what it says. Psalm 122 and verse 6. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem, that they shall prosper that love thee. You want to know why this nation has prospered over the years? Because we sided with Israel over all these years. And now what we see happening in, in this day in which we live which I'm not going to speak against right now because I believe God's turning it around. I believe God's turning it around, praise God. But we slipped for a while, didn't we? That's exactly right. And I'm telling you right now, you start working, or you start going against Israel, you start going against the Most High God. And we don't want that. And so we're to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. So I've got one hand on you, Father, and one hand on Jerusalem and on Israel and the government and all the people. And I'm believing that you're orchestrating last day events right here among us. And so, uh, next, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Again, not a prayer to pray in rote. Just quoting that prayer. I know that you have a plan for my life as well. My spouse, my children, my extended family. i got one hand on you, Father. I've got one hand on my, my family, my children. I'm believing your will being done. In their lives. So what are you doing? You're enforcing the will of God. So Jesus in teaching prayer says. Understand you've got an intimate relationship with your father. Understand the name. How he's revealed himself. His person. That way you'll know his heart. Jesus revealed the father's heart of love. Care. Concern. Responsibility. He's not an infidel. He cares for his own. You see what he's sharing. And then establish God's will as being done. On earth as it is in heaven. in, In the lives of the people that you love. As well as your nation, your church, and etc. In the nation of Israel. Okay. Uh, Also, uh, number four. It's provisional. The next P word is provisional. And here, he says, give us this day our daily bread. Do you realize every single day we have need for provisions? We do. Every single day. When the children of Israel came out of Egypt... For 40 years, God provided for them every day. 4,500 tons of manna every day. 11 million gallons of water coming out of a rock every day. To provide for their particular needs. He also did some things for them that, sad to say, and were probably the same way. We don't really acknowledge as we should. You know, the Bible says in what Psalm 68. 19, that he daily loads us with blessings. Throw that up there. Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits. Even the God of our salvation, Selah, stop and think about it. You realize today you were loaded with benefits? And you know, if we don't recognize that and realize that, God can look at us sometimes and just say, you're taking me for granted a little bit here. You say, well, what do you mean? So they had bread and so they had water. Well, they had a whole lot more than that. They had a cloud by day, a fire by night. The cloud by day is air conditioning. The fire by night is the heat system. They had a furnace. They had protection from their enemy to keep a distance the enemy from them. They had light during the night so that they can see their way. And lest we forget, they had air to breathe. They had a sun that was positioned where it needs to be to see to it. That they didn't burn up or freeze. And the list goes on and on. We are daily loaded with benefits. Keeping us, our hearts beating in our chest. Air in our lungs. As well as all the other things. And then when they got to the place that they were so upset with God. Because we loathe this manna. I I could understand that after eating manna, you know. For 20 years it might get a little bit old. So what did they ask for? Meat. Meat in the desert. Think about in the wilderness, in the desert. Where are they going to get meat? You want meat? God says, I'll give you meat. He sent them quail, knee high, as far as the eye can see. And said, eat it till it comes out your nostrils. He gave them meat. To eat. He provided for their every need. Give us this day. And so when you get up tomorrow morning and you think about some of these things, I've got a Father in heaven. Oh, holy is His name. Father, I'm here on earth establishing Your will in my life today. I want Your will be done, not my will be done on this earth, just as it is in heaven. I want to thank You, Father, today for all the daily benefits, the provisions that You provide What about the waters not passing over the sand sand along the seashore? What about the moon doing its thing to provide what is necessary to keep everything functioning as it should? As well as the air I breathe, as well as the food I eat, and the job that I have, and the wife and children, etc., etc., etc. So once again, we see in the prayer he prays that we would understand the need for provision and where it comes from. And then the next one, look at this. Pardon. Pardon is your next word. It's provisional. And now pardon. He says forgive us our debts. How? As we forgive our debtors. Now here is where it really gets. Let's say tough. I know Peter thought this was difficult. Forgive As we forgive. In other words. You set the standard. For your forgiveness. You could almost say that. If you want forgiven. You've got to forgive. Others. To pardon actually means to release someone. From the legal consequences of. Let's just say a crime they committed. Or an offense. And the measure by which you and I. Forgive others will be the measure. By which God forgives us. So if I choose to hold bitterness in my heart or unforgiveness in my heart towards somebody else, what Jesus is saying then, until you release it, you're not going to be forgiven. And if you forgive them just a little bit, you're going to get forgiven just a little bit. It's up to us to release from our hearts people who have offended us in any way. To see to it that the root of bitterness does not remain within us. And the standard is very clear in Scripture. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31-32. Here, Paul the Apostle speaking says, Let all bitterness... Everybody say all. All. See all. Why? Because bitterness will spring up and defile you. And what what measure... Remember, you dole it out. Is what measure you get it back. So all bitterness. Don't hold a little bit of it. Don't let out half of it. But all bitterness and wrath... And anger and clamor, evil speaking, be put away from you with all malice. And be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as everybody say, even as. even as, even as what God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Notice the standard of forgiveness. Have you been forgiven? Have you been forgiven the twenty-five million dollar debt? And someone owes you a quarter. And so you're going to put them in prison until they pay the quarterback to you. When God forgave you the $25 million debt. This is how Jesus taught it in Matthew 18. It's the Matthew 18 principle about forgiveness and so on. And Jesus said, look, you've been forgiven a $25 million debt. Anything anyone does to you amounts to 25 cents. $25. And you don't want to forgive. Forgive as you've been forgiven. And I'll tell you, when a person recognizes and truly realizes just how much they've been forgiven, oh, it's nothing to forgive somebody else. You think about this. You've been forgiven separation from God and spiritual death that was lodged in your spirit. You've been released from all that fate of an eternity and a lake of fire where you would burn in fire and brimstone forever. Listen, where Jesus taught the worm dieth not and the fire is never quenched. The worm dying not means that the worms eat your flesh like maggots eat garbage. But you know, when the garbage is done, the maggots die. But when you're in the lake of fire and the worm dies not. Because it eats your flesh and eats your flesh and eats your flesh. And then all of a sudden your flesh comes back. It keeps eating your flesh over and over and over and over and over and over and over. over Where the worm dies not. Because it's feeding on your flesh in that place of suffering. And the fire is never quenched. The fire is never quenched. The suffering, the pain of that place continues on for an eternity. Well, guess what? By the blood of Jesus Christ, you have been forgiven. And that awful fate is no longer yours. You will spend your eternity in glory Walking on streets of gold in the bliss of his presence. You'll shine as the stars of heaven. Look at the spectrum. Here or here. Eternal suffering, eternal bliss. You've been forgiven so you can have this eternal bliss. Now someone hurt you, someone harmed you, someone wronged you. Look at Matthew 18. What Jesus said he would do to the person who does not forgive his brother. Jesus narrated this and he said... That this one person was forgiven 25 million dollars. The other guy who 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 is forgiven 25 million dollars. A guy owed that guy 25 dollars. Instead of forgiving that person 25 dollars. What he did was he threw him in jail. And said you're not going to come out of jail until you pay me the uttermost farthing. And And then it was told then to the master. And here's what the master said. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth. And delivered him to the tormentors. Till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly father do also to you. If you from your what? Hearts. Hearts Forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. In other words. We don't have the luxury of holding anything against anybody. And it doesn't matter how severe they hurt you. Or how deeply they hurt you. You don't have a right to do it. And neither do I. So you know what you do? Let it go. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. That's why he said, love your enemy. How? Do good to those that hate you. Pray for those that despitefully use and abuse you. And speak well of those that speak evil of you. That you may be fully mature like your father in heaven. Or perfect is the word that's in the the, um, King James. So if we want to be like our father, forgive who? Our enemies. It's one thing to forgive your family members. It's one thing to forgive your children, etc., but to forgive your enemy. And when you talk about from the heart. Remember from the heart. Means you'll do good to those that even hate you. You'll pray for those that despitefully use and abuse you. And you will speak well of those. That slay you with their words. That's what, you, that's what we'll do. And that's saying you're like your father in heaven. Because that's how he is. Next word. Power. Lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from evil. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Through prayer, we have the ability to generate power that will enable us to rise up above the temptations that we encounter in this life. Look at Matthew chapter 26 and verse 41. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples who were very tired and fell asleep when he was about to go to the cross and needed their help in prayer. And Jesus came back to them and said, watch and pray, watch and pray. Why? That you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is what? Weak. So through prayer, what do we do? We generate this power. We're empowered to rise up above temptation and overcome it, which is why we should continue to pray. So Father in heaven, I venerate your name. I know you're here for me right now, even though I'm facing this temptation. I thank you for the daily supply of what I need, which is power to rise up above what I'm facing in life. I know the flesh is weak. I know the, sp- the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so I'm thanking you here tonight that you're empowering me to rise up above the situation or the temptation to, let's say, do whatever, maybe act in, out of anger, etc., etc. You know, there's a way to look at this. Important. There's always the opportunity and the temptation. If the opportunity exists... But there's no temptation, you're good. If the temptation exists, but the opportunity's not there, you're still good. But when the opportunity and the temptation come together, look out. Look out. You realize that? Well, can you be more specific? Well, sure I can. You see that donut sitting there on the table? It's there, I'm not tempted to have it. Because it's not an orms. Or a max cream stick with you know (laughs) You know what I mean? So I'm not tempted. But if I stand and I'm looking I go, Boy, I can really go for a max cream stick donut. But it's not there. So I'm tempted. But I can't satisfy my hunger. And all of a sudden, someone comes walking through the door to my office with this big old cream stick donut with cream hanging out of both ends. And I'm sitting there before they come in and my stomach is a little bit rumbly because I haven't had anything to eat yet. And then you smell. you sm- oh, There's so many ways that the enemy speaks to you. <laughs> now you've got the temptation and now you've got the opportunity And you're left stunned. What are you going to do now? Pray. You're going to pray. Oh Lord, Heavenly Father, (laughs) my helper, I need your divine intervention. I need your divine power. Look in Luke's Gospel, chapter 22. In Luke 22, verse 40, this is Jesus, and this is his hour of temptation. And when he was at the place, he said unto them, pray that you enter not in temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Notice, Father, that wonderful relationship of intimacy. "If If you be willing, your will, remove this cup from me, your power, nevertheless not my will. But thine be done. Notice he's praying out in such a way that he recognizes he needs the Father's intervention. He's facing the worst scenario you can even imagine. You can't even go there with your mind, you can't wrap your brain around it. And so he's praying basically the way he said for us to pray. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven strengthening him, empowerment you see that? And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly. It's like, I'm going for the donut. Oh, Lord, help me. Empower me. Keep my hand away from it. See, the temptation is wanting you to go in that direction. But you're praying for divine intervention and empowerment. And all of a sudden, the angel comes and ministers to you. And then... He was praying and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose from prayer and was come to his disciples, he found them sleeping for sorrow and said to them, why sleep ye? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. Why? Because we already read it in Matthew. The spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. And so you see, he's not teaching to pray this prayer, the Lord's prayer in rote, ritualistically. He's giving us a template for prayer. He's giving us an outline for prayer. He's trying to educate us as to how to pray effectively and efficiently so we can rise up. And then in the book of Galatians chapter 1, that was before the cross. But look at this after the cross. This is after the cross. Okay? Okay. Grace be to you, Paul says, and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that we might, that he might rather deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. It's the Father's will that we be delivered from this present evil age. And every evil that surrounds us, it's the Father's will. And how does he do that? He did that in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. And you know what? People say, well, Jesus won the victory on the cross. But in reality, he won it at the rock in the garden. He won the victory at the rock in the garden. Because of his praying at the rock in the garden. He could rise up, go forth, and face Calvary undaunted. And he did. And what he's saying to us is this. You're going to start a work day tomorrow. And you're working around a bunch of um, individuals that are not saved. Guess what? You know what it's like to go into that lion's den. Then make sure you pray before you go. You'll be prepared. You'll be ready. You'll face it victoriously. Can you say amen? And that's what he's saying. Look in Colossians 1, verse 13. 1 13. Who has delivered us from the power of darkness? Satan has no power over us and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. How important is this verse of scripture? You and I were once under the jurisdiction of the kingdom of darkness. And Satan had the right to rule over our lives. Because we were part of his kingdom. But because of the death, burial, resurrection and ascension of Jesus and seating at his right hand. We praise God have been delivered from the jurisdiction of the kingdom of darkness. And we're now over here and we are in a new kingdom. And we have a new king and his name is Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus is Lord over our lives, not the devil and his bunch, not sin, sickness, disease, mental anguish, and all the curse that belongs under that, in that kingdom. We've been delivered from that by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, and we know it now. And so we stand firm in the will of God. And then finally, uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, and here is that wonderful text that needs to be really understood by all of us there has no temptation taken you but such as is common to men stop right there the devil can't use some powers beyond our understanding to try to entice us into temptation what he uses is what he's allowed to use james talked about where we're tempted when we're enticed of our own lust tempted tested and tried of our own lust so in other words sin can't go beyond the boundaries of Of what God has allowed him to to use to test us. He can't. The fallen part of man, he can't. But God is what? Faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above all, above that you are able. So in other words, no matter what he throws our way, we go into it with the understanding that there's a way of escape. There's a way out. But will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. God's not the one tempting us. It is the devil, the world, the flesh. The fallen part of the world and the devil and the flesh, all that comes against us and we understand that. But that verse tells us, there is nothing we can face in this life that we cannot rise up above and overcome in the name of Jesus and by the blood of the covenant. And that God through prayer will help us understand the way of escape. In other words, he'll show us the way out. This is the way, walk ye in it. Walk in love. You have to be concerned about unforgiveness and bitterness and all that. Okay. And finally, the last word is praiseworthy. Praiseworthy. For thine is the kingdom And the power and the glory forever. Thine is the kingdom. It means I want you to rule and reign over my life. I praise you for ruling and reigning over my life. Yours is the power. Yours is the kingdom rather. And the power. I want your power in operation in my life. All power belongs to you in heaven and earth. All authority is yours. I'm tapping into those resources so that I have the ability to accomplish the things that you said I could. Which is to rise up above temptation. To forgive people that need to be forgiven. Not to have any bitterness within my heart. To stand against all the wiles of the devil. The forces of darkness and all the evils that come my way. Every mountain that stands between me and victory. I'm thanking you Father, praise God, and I'm blessing your holy name. I'm telling you, I know. That you daily supply me with all that I need to rise up and overcome anything I face in life. And so I'm thanking you. I'm praising you. For thine is the glory. Kingdom power. And then what's the third one? The glory. The glory. Look it up. It's the goodness of God and great manifestation. It's the light that shines and emanates from the very person of God himself. Look at Jeremiah. Chapter 9, I believe it is. And 24. Look what it says. But let him that glorieth glory in this. What am I going to glory in? I glory in that I understand and know the Lord. That I am the Lord which exercises loving kindness, judgment, righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. So, Lord, Father, yours is the kingdom that rules in my heart and life. Yours is the power that enables me to do your will. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And if I'm on a glory in anything, high glory that I know you, my loving heavenly father. I serve you. I live for you. I walk with you. And I'm giving you the praise that you deserve. I'm giving you the honor that you deserve. So you begin with this praise of God. You end with this praise of God. You're worshiping the living God. Jesus taught us this is how you pray. And then notice the last word. Amen. It means so be it. It means let it be done that way in my life. It means, praise God, I'm in full agreement with all that you said and all that's been, been say prayed out and, and believed. And as far as I'm concerned, nothing could be more firm. Nothing could be uh, more secure. Nothing could be more truthful. Absolutely, I agree with it all. And I'm certain, I'm certain that I've reached heaven. I've touched the throne I've obtained my mercy and grace, and now your power is operating in my life. Now, remember that prayer has not the name of Jesus in it, so it's really a prayer that was before the new covenant. But these are prayer principles that help us understand how to pray more efficiently and effectively. And that prayer is a, a time of intimacy with God. Since then, the blood of Jesus was shed. Since then, the veil was ripped in twain. Since then, the Shekinah glory went back to heaven. Since then, the blood upon the altar gives us access to the holiest place of all. Since then, we're told by faith we can access the grace of God. We can enter into the holiest place of all with true hearts and full assurance of faith, our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, our bodies washed with the pure water of the word, holding fast our declaration of faith, for faithful is God who promised. And so when we go to the throne of God, we can say, Abba, Father, I belong here in your presence, and I've come, first of all, to honor you and to extol your name on high. Hallowed be thy name. I'm here to establish your will as being done in my life as it is in heaven, and you told me to do that. I thank you today for a daily supply of all the benefits that I need to carry out the purpose of your will. Thank you for leading me out of anything that would be tempted to to prevent your will from being done in my life, any kind of temptation delivering me from all evil praise god Do you see the, the, the how the prayer is prayed out so those are the seven words that we can use to really kind of break it down this template of prayer and learn how to be more effective and efficient when it comes to our prayer lives so let's all stand together before the lord hi pastor bill here i want to thank you for joining us today on behalf of my wife krista and christian Selby church i want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family whether you have young children or kids in elementary school. If you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world we want to join as the body of christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound and through a life of worship bring in a harvest of people with whatever gifts god has given you we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents life is most fulfilled when we share god's love with others and in all that we do we want to demonstrate the power of the name of jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence to god first and then also to you so whatever the situation Wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you and God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I opened the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.